Warning. The following podcast contains spoilers for Edge of Tomorrow, Zulu, Gandhi, Battle of Los Angeles, Mighty Joe Young, Two Guns, Twister, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Marvel's Endgame, the movie Ender's Game. We struggle to think of the name of Brendan Gleeson, the Irish actor. Later on, we won't get it, but that's what it is. And lastly, I must warn you, there's a terrible sound effect that we use to represent a dick flopping over a shoulder. Hello and welcome to the Distump Podcast, the show where we watch movies, play games, and listen to music in an effort to decide, are we going to keep the disc or are we going to dump them? Today I am joined by the great and powerful John Weber. How's it going, John? Hi, Miles. Doing good. Good, good. So today we watched The Edge of Tomorrow slash Live, Die, Repeat with starring uh, Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt. But first, a brief history. Edge of Tomorrow is the 2014 film starring Emily Blunt and Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise's character gets covered in alien blood during an invasion, and it gives him the ability to come back to life after he dies. Every day, he can come back to the beginning of the day to try and fight off the alien invasion. It's a pretty cool sci-fi movie. You guys should check it out. I'm just saying it's real good. Yeah, this is actually the first time in like a month I've recorded because I did 14 episodes in October and that shit was exhausting. <laughs> so I'm pretty excited to get back into these legit canon episodes. But yeah, so um, what do you think of Edge of Tomorrow slash uh, Live, Die, Repeat? I think it's one of my favorite. It's my favorite science fiction movie done in the past 10 years. I think I might be there with you. It's a super good movie. Um, are you generally like a Tom Cruise fan? Nope. No. No, not at all. Really? I, I, no. I, him and Charlie Sheen were always the cocky young guy to me, you know, because I grew up, I'm the same age as they are. Mm-hmm. So I grew up with them. And, uh, yeah, never really liked him. I like some of his movies. Uh, he, he picks good movies. Yeah, he there's does. No, there's no doubt about it. And, and uh, He's a good actor, but I'm not a big fan. Yeah. I, I don't like who he is on the outside. My dad was in Scientology. I know Scientology. I went to a camp, summer camp, Scientology course, and it was, it's been a, it was part of my life in the 80s and early 90s, um, and I hate it. And, yeah. Not Holy a, shit. I didn't know you were into science. Well, not into science. You were ingratiated in Scientology. I was exposed, yeah. I, I know... That kid, uh, Mino Palouse, 
He was a uh, kid in uh, the original Amityville Horror. He was also in, I think, the TV show Bad News Bears. Uh, his sister, Punky Brewster, I was at the same school that they were at. Um, there's a there's a bunch of other Hollywood people that I rub shoulders with a little bit back in the early '80s because of that. Really? Yeah. That's so interesting. And you, I assume you never saw anybody levitate or heal wounds with their hands or anything no, like but that. My dad has. Yeah, yeah. But he believes it full heartedly. I imagine he did. He was pretty freaking loopy. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's not the better part of my life, and I thought so. And uh, it it definitely made things tougher. My stepmom probably still is a Scientologist. My stepsister and stepbrother were brought up that way. Luckily, my sister and I only spent the summers involved in it, so it didn't really seep in. But I did spend one summer at the summer camp because my dad was busy writing scripts, like in 76, actually. And was that in SoCal or was that in New York? Southern California, yeah. Okay. In, in Hollywood. Okay, gotcha. That's crazy. I didn't know that about you. Oh, yeah. My, my dad, my mom and my dad have been back in... Uh, my dad is from California. My mom's from New York. So I've been back and forth my whole life because they've been separated since I was four. Mm. That's wild. That's wild. So you're not super huge fan of Tom Cruise. No. I'm a huge fan of Tom Cruise. I love almost everything I've ever seen him in. But he, like, does his own stunts, which is what's really wild. Like... There were a lot of good stunts in this movie that he definitely could have hurt himself doing pretty severely. The movie's almost flawless for me. Yeah, it's so good. And he's amazing in it. I mean, he completely... And he also, I mean, he broke his own stereotype. He played a coward in this movie. Mm-hmm. And he did it very well. Yeah. But it's not the type of character you would ever think he... I mean, of course, he has an arc, and it changes, but he definitely plays a pretty convincing coward yeah especially at the beginning when he tries to like blackmail the general he's just like you're not fucking putting me in war why do you think the general picked him like at the when he was a talking head at the beginning did he say something shitty about him i don't remember well no it's just i mean he the general was just going to send him to be on the ground Mm -hmm. that's all he just you know and uh you know i am i do have a military background so you know most like people in the military believe that you're our soldier first and everything comes out afterwards. And this guy was like, that's not why I'm here. I was, uh, an advertising guy. And, and, uh, um, and when the, and my business went away, when this starts, start happened. So I come in and this is what I do. I, I, I promote your war and all that stuff. I promote, I get all these people to enlist, but don't send me down there. And then mm-hmm. he did blackmail him and that's why he, he got arrested and stuff. He got burned. So he's a major. So private's like the first lowest level, right? There are two separate rank structures. There was enlisted and there are officers. He was an officer. Officers start at, for in the in the army would be uh, second lieutenant, lieutenant, captain, and then major. And then lieutenant colonel and then colonel. So he was... Going up the ranks, an officer. In a, um, and then there's the enlisted, like what I was. And in the, in the army, it's like private, private first class, lance corporal, corporal, sergeant, staff sergeant, gunnery sergeant. Gotcha. Sergeant major. So, yeah, there's two structures. And unless you go to college for a couple of years, or you get a field promotion, like uh, Audie Murphy back in World War II. Audie Murphy, he's the most decorated World War II guy. 
he got um, a field commission because of heroism. And he was a great leader, so he was started enlisted, but they said, you are so good, you need to be lieutenant. So they gave him a field promotion to an officer, but that's pretty rare. Yeah. You know, so. So where, uh, I know you said it a second ago, but where does major fall? Major is towards the bottom? It's in the middle. It's in the middle, okay. It's in the middle. You major, then you're like a lieutenant colonel, and then a colonel, and then a general. Gotcha. Uh, so he was a mid-ranking officer, and uh, the general who i forget that actor's name he's a wonderful actor the irish guy um yeah i forget his name right now too yeah i'm sure i'll say it in the in the warning at the beginning i'll be like and then his name was anyway so yeah he was so good and he just picked to throw this dude in on the front line i guess it's like all hands on deck during an alien invasion so yeah there was all kinds of crazy shit in the general's like office. Did you notice that? There's like guns in display cases that are not human guns and stuff. No, I didn't notice. That. You didn't know, like all he has all these crazy like I think there's African masks in one of them, but like dead center right behind Tom Cruise every time he's in there is this giant looks like a halo gun almost like it it looks fucking crazy and it never comes into play in the movie. Well, and I, the, the African masks and stuff, I would understand that because the British. I mean, there was one one time a uh, hundred years ago. The saying was, "The world never sets on the British Empire," mm-hmm. because they owned property. They had colonized all over the world, and there was the. I mean, that's the big thing. Is after the nineteen early nineteen hundreds, then and then World War Two and all that stuff. Now they're just a little island country with a couple of outposts, but they were the largest. They took over the world. They took over the world, and so they fought in Africa. There's probably, I, I imagine, there was probably a bunch of cases of all the different play, wars that Britain was in, yeah. the army was in. Yeah, because Ireland was part of England. I guess it kind of still is, right? Like, Yeah, Australia, India, mm-hmm. South Africa. I mean, there's uh, you can keep going on and on. The Falkland Islands are the, off of South America, uh, just everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, okay, Canada technically still is, and so is Australia. I mean, they're considered independent countries, but they still fall under England. Do you ever see that movie Zulu? Yeah, 1960s movie. Everyone's like, "Oh, it has a great message." No, it doesn't. <laughs> the message is that British people came and fucked people up, and they lost. Like British won, and like it wasn't nice at all. But yeah, yeah that's it. Watched like Gandhi with uh, Ben Kingsley, mm-hmm. which is a pretty moving movie, and. uh there are some scenes that you see how how rough the British really were. Yeah, I don't I don't think I've ever seen that one. Does Ben Kingsley play Gandhi? Yeah, that's interesting. He's amazing. It's totally worth watching. It's a it's a rough movie, but it's great, and it gives you um, how we got onto Gandhi from Edge of Tomorrow. I don't never know, but yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's totally worth watching. And uh, I forgot my point. Gandhi was good. Oh, British people. British people oh, were yeah. brutal. And, right. It, right. And it also it. It shows you really how the peaceful protests worked and basically what Martin Luther, Martin Luther King based his peaceful protest for the 60s off of Gandhi, mm-hmm. off of what Gandhi was able to do. Yeah. You know, so it's just, it's worth watching. For sure. So um, it is kind of crazy that this is like a blend of action, sci-fi and war. It's definitely a war movie at its like core, but it's also sci-fi and there's a little bit of romance and it, shit in it. It's what the Battle of Los Angeles wanted to be. Yeah. Yeah. That's another movie that I really want to like it, but it's not good. 
Did you like that movie? Not no? particularly. Yeah, it's they, they actually they did the uh, the police precinct of the coast and everything. That wasn't Los Angeles. That was um, Baton Rouge. Really, Louisiana. <laughs> yeah, I was watching the movie with a guy in the Navy. Um, we were on the ship watching. He goes, oh, "That's Baton Rouge." He's like. That was my precinct. That's where he was a cop. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it just was very, very funny. Yeah. It's totally not California. That was supposed to be some, like, big, huge franchise. It was like they were going to do Battle of New York and all that shit, but it didn't work out. I mean, I'd rather have that movie than not have it. I liked watching it. It was mm-hmm. it was fun, but it could have been done so much better. I bought, like, a crazy box set with, like, books and, like, how they designed all the aliens and shit. And I was like, this is going to be a good fucking movie. I bought it before I'd even seen it, and it was not a good movie. I will say that they did a pretty good job of sticking to how a military unit would be. Mm-hmm. Even if it was science fiction, they still cut very close to how an, a military unit would act. Yeah. Pretty close. Yeah. Yeah, the, I mean, it was Marines. Marines off of Camp Pendleton. I spent 12, 11 years in Camp Pendleton. Mm-hmm. And it's it kept pretty close to to that. Not everything, but a lot of it. It was better than most other movies get it. Yeah. What about Edge of Tomorrow? Was that close at all, or not really? Well, what they did is it's 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 an English general, and they had augments. I mean, like what the what the scene we just watched where they're in PT. They're all wearing different types of uniforms. They're not even wearing PT uniforms. I mean, if it's like. The world is getting crushed, and they're taking anybody who they can get. I can see that, but it's not what a regimented, highly disciplined military unit would. Everybody wouldn't be in the exact same gear. Yeah, for their PT, they'd be all wearing the same thing. It would, be, yeah. It's just that leads me to questions I wanted to ask you about the naked man. I can't imagine in war they'd be like, "It's okay." Just wear a jock strap. You're gonna be fine. Like, well, you know the the point where everybody they think everybody's dying, and they grab whoever they can. Maybe the discipline kind of goes out the window a little bit because at the same, you know, if you get to the point where everybody's being drafted, when you're drafting people and they're not volunteer, it's harder to keep them disciplined and. and mm-hmm. So it's, you know, like the guys in Vietnam, they were wearing shit hanging because they were drafted. They're like, what the fuck? I was hanging out going to high school and you guys made me come here. Yeah. So they kind of did more of their own thing. It wasn't a voluntary, it wasn't a voluntary service at the time. So that similar to this, I think that's the idea you get that, you know, when, when you're pulling these civilians out of their life, to fight because the end of the was the end of the world and stuff like that. You give them some leeway. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you know the guy's gonna die, you kind of let him go in style. I guess there's that idea of it. No, but that wouldn't fly in a real military. Yeah. But like I said, if if all these militaries are getting decimated, yeah, all over the place, then you take what you can get. Mm-hmm. If they're gonna be fodder anyway, you let them do their thing. Now in the military, when we went to the field, there was a certain amount of things we could bring like if you had uh, a samurai sword you can carry that with you had to stay when you come back to the ship or back to garrison had to go in the armory you couldn't just have it in your barracks or whatever if you had a long knife or whatever extra stuff that was considered weapons you can keep them in the armory or keep them at home and bring them to the field with you you Mm -hmm. know and stuff like that so you could have a samurai so there was a couple marines i had back in the early 90s that had samurai swords on their back and 
Just, well, I've noticed that you have a giant blowgun and you're pretty good with it. Did you bring your blowgun to war? <laughs> yeah. No, I didn't think no, so. No, but I also, I usually had some pretty good sized knives when I went out to the field. Yeah. Yeah. So this leads me to an extremely important question that I can't be the only person who doesn't know about this. Is there military grade underwear that they make you wear? Because that dude definitely didn't have any. The jockstrap man. No, not mil- no, it just. You just get whatever skivvies you, you can find. No, you get you get issued tidy ways. Okay, gotcha. When you go through, you can wear whatever you want underneath, but yes, technically, you it's, get tidy. T- it's tidy whities. I think women have more. Um, far as I know, they were not regulated on what they could wear. Basically, they could keep their own bras and underwear mm-hmm. when they went to boot camp. We were. We were told not to bring anything because we're going to give it to you. So we wore the T-shirts they issued us, and we wore the underwear that they issued us, and the socks and the whole thing. I think women, at least for as underwear could go, they could wear, they could bring their own things, but but when it came to everything else, they they had to go with what they had. Gotcha. So there's a bunch of female soldiers running around with wonder bras on and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure they had more. Le- yeah, but they mm-hmm. yeah, but when they were in the barracks, because usually one of their Company commanders or whatever would be often often be a male, so they had to have an outer garment on. I, I'm not sure, but I think they were even allowed to wear pajamas. Mm. I'm, I don't know. I think they were a little bit. They were given a little bit more levity after hours. Yeah, not levity. Levity is not the right. That's word. not uh, lever. No, Le- uh, I get your point. Yeah, <laughs> the uh, the one guy he's wearing a pink robe in the barracks the whole time. So I I don't know. I guess I just had this illusion that when you're in the military all the time you're in the military like there's no downtime where you chill at all you are i mean like but when you're in your barracks and you're in your room you kind of can do what you want we used to have a guy that loved to be naked you know and he would well he'd go to the shower and come back out just hangs he was a black guy and he just uh but you know my friends would say like they'd be watching tv and he would come up behind him and lay his his giant dick on their His shoulders. Giant dick on shoulders. <laughs> They'd be like, "What the? Oh shit, dude!" <laughs> he did. He would come up, put it right on top of their oh, shoulder. That sound effect you just made was horrific. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> so this was a PG thirteen movie, but there was still a big naked man running around. Um, there's lots of allegories to fate in this movie, which I thought was interesting. So uh, obviously, the major is just like, listen. You can't play cards because that implies fate is not in your hands and fate is completely in your hands. And then, like, when they're jumping out of the helicarriers or whatever, if you look closely and they're, like, dangling from ropes and stuff, it looks like a marionette thing that they use to, like, move puppets and shit around. And the other one that I noticed was when the aliens shoot bullets, it's, like, DNA, which is kind of in its own way, like, uh, uh, a fate thing because there's like the nature versus nurture thing you know what i'm talking about so i just noticed all this did you notice anything like I, that more of what that's the sergeant major was saying mm-hmm. uh, just because major is in sergeant major doesn't mean he's an officer he's he's still a sergeant so he's a senior enlisted but uh, the bill paxton character was coming up with a lot of philosophical stuff i didn't really see the other stuff yeah well i mean bill paxton let's talk about him he was fantastic in this he movie. was great yeah, like uh, you were saying, your favorite Bill Paxton thing was two guns or whatever. Yeah, the, uh, he's a 
plays a very evil, very believable character, but still charismatic mm-hmm. in uh, Two Guns. And I also mentioned the worst. He's got the worst one-liner yes. in any movie ever, and it was in Mighty Joe Young. <laughs> at the end of the movie, Mighty Joe Young falls, and then he starts, and they all think he's dead, and he starts to get up. Bill Paston goes, Joe, that's no way to ride a ferris wheel and it just it's the worst <laughs> line of any movie i've ever seen it is awful and then, of course he's got the one-liners and and uh yeah was like an aliens he's like game over man game yeah. over i mean he's got a lot of lines in so many movies and in predator 2 and all that but he's still a, very, a great actor been in so many movies but he, uh, my favorite uh, this was my second favorite performance of him my favorite was in two guns which mm-hmm. is a Decent movie, uh, Denzel Washington, uh, Mark Wahlberg, but uh, he's the bad. Uh, Bill Paxton's the bad guy, and he's totally believable. I'm gonna put that one on my list. That sounds pretty good. Ruthless, but still charismatic. My favorite, uh, my favorite Bill Paxton movie is. I like it because it's so bad. It's Twister, because they do this thing where, like, when they're acting, instead of actually like yelling, they go, "Oh." The twister's coming. I can't hear you. What? Like, he's they're clearly not yelling. <laughs> is he the bad guy in that movie? No. Uh, the, the tornado's a bad guy in that movie, but he's, like, the main scientist guy that they do the, like, Wizard of Oz thing to throw a bunch of... Yeah. I'm terribly explaining this movie. No, but is, he, is he the main actor? The he's main the main man, guy, the yeah. Main guy? Okay, I didn't realize. And him and Helen Hunt, right? Or Helen... No, the blonde, whatever. Helen? I think it might actually be Helen Hunt. I'm not sure. But yeah, I just, I think it's so funny watching it now. You just hear people going, oh no, we're gonna die. But they're not actually like yelling at all. It's so fun. But, and I liked him in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. too. He played a bad guy in that and he was pretty good. But anyway, so Bill Paxton is fantastic in this movie. Um, Ships are like Puppet Master, Bullets are DNA. So the the blue monsters have like ovens for mouth and their blood creates like the time loop thing. So I've said on many, many occasions that I hate time travel movies and then I can come up with like 35 exceptions for that. So I guess I just hate time travel movies that have problems at the end where it just like undoes the whole movie. And I th- I was looking so desperately to be like, yeah, fuck time travel movies. Oh, this one definitely has a big hole in it. Where's the big hole? The, the very, very, very end. Yeah, yeah, the end is a little rough. How, how he comes back. I mean, how does the alien still get smoked, yet he reset and he's coming back? Because yeah. he resets to before all the events happen again. Mm-hmm. And But the aliens are still all gone. So how does he reset, yet they're gone? They, like, bathe him in super alien juice in the water. So if he's not dead yet, that should, in theory, lead to him restarting the day. However, why would he restart in a helicopter completely decorated? They didn't take any of his medals away or anything. Right, it's it's how the movie starts, where he Mm -hmm. was. So it goes all the way back to the beginning. But then how did, if it's a total reset, and everybody all the time resets except for the alien part, how does that... Yeah, it doesn't they make a lot of sense. They should have reset with him. Mm-hmm. Like, it should have basically I, I, started the whole movie over again. Right. Time travel. Fuck time travel. Right, that's the only... Everything else pretty much worked. And they, like, imply at the first half of the movie that 
he goes from PT pretty much directly to battle. And then in the second half of the movie, they're like, well, we need more time to make plot happen. So there's a rainy night and everybody's hanging out in the rainy night. And like when he at the end, when he loses his powers and stuff, I'm like, now, how does he go to battle after this? If he just spent the whole day trying to go and talk to the general and get all the magic items and stuff like how does that happen so i guess the way they explained it was like oh shit we made it to this point in the movie and we didn't have a nighttime scene so let's just insert a couple of random scenes where there's rain and his friends are trying to beat him up and shit you know what i'm saying no i think it works yeah i I don't yeah i i I have watched it like four times in the past two days jesus christ yeah because i like the movie and since we were going to do this and i don't like to write notes Mm-hmm. I just watched it over and over and over again. I just, you know, I just watched it again with you the last yeah. past hour. But um, now it pretty much it because it's basically starting the, in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, he's waking up. They're coming in or first thing in the morning and stuff. Everybody's starting their day, and the big invasion is supposed to happen the next day. The invasion of Europe because they're in England and they're going to to France. Mm-hmm. They're going to France to. Uh, to make their big stand. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, you know, of course he keeps on doing everything in in different ways and then resetting. Yeah. What we didn't mention is basically for those of you who haven't seen this yet and don't know that this is basically Groundhog Day. I used to say Starship Troopers, but I think Battle of Los Angeles is better. Yeah. A mix between Groundhog Day and Battle of Los Angeles. That's a good way to explain it. I used to explain it like it was a Sega game. You can't save Sega games, so when you die, you just start from the beginning, and you have to remember the exact twitch movements that made you survive through the whole thing. Right. So that's basically what Tom Cruise is doing this whole movie. And then Emily Blunt is in it, and she used to be able to do that, but now she can't. And the way he finds her in this... I have a few problems with her performance in this movie, but I don't think it's her fault. I think it's the script's fault. But she starts off in the middle of a training field where people are shooting guns in her general direction. And she's in like a sexy yoga pose amidst combat and training. And like he just keeps finding her in this sexy combat yoga pose. And there's no reason for it at all. I guess she's just trying to be at peace surrounded by chaos. But what if like some suck ass recruit accidentally shoots her in the ass or something? You know, it doesn't make any sense that she would be well, doing that. Nobody's shooting at the time, so that's true. I, but... I don't know, but yeah, that's what she is in the middle of a. I don't know. Everybody stays away from her because she's just the badass. Yeah, and there's lots of uh, I forget what they call it, like cable foo. Like ever since after the Matrix, when everyone's doing all these stunts and they use cables to make them defy gravity and stuff, like. I feel like that became a much more popular thing after The Matrix, and then it kind of died out. This movie does that so well with their, like, super suits on. Yeah. Like, the best scenes in the movie are when they're, like, zipping around and shooting and slamming people and shit. These super suits were kind of more similar to what the uh, uh, battle uh, Starship Troopers were supposed to be. So the book, the way the book is written... They're basically wearing mechanized stuff. They're not just a bunch of guys with this super gun mm-hmm. just standing all in a line just mowing down insectoids. They're actually jumping out of from uh, carriers, and they're jumping out and coming down mm-hmm. in their own mechanized suits that have jetpacks so they can land on their feet, and they can jump, and and they're, just, and they're totally powered, and it's like mind-powered. So it's like if you think... 
left arm shoot, it, it does. Mm-hmm. So, or you voice control, whatever. But it's a lot more mechanized. This was closer to what Starship Troopers should have been. Yeah. As the you know converting the 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 book to the movie. Mm-hmm. So. I, yeah, I, I could definitely see that. It. They did a really good job with that. Yeah, except their like torsos were exposed. That was a weird call. But since they get like they can just get disintegrated by these DNA bullets anyway, I guess it doesn't really matter. But yeah, it's a lot like the power armor in the Fallout games. It pretty much functions the same way. You can like jump out of windows and land just fine and all that, and you can punch people and their heads fly off and shit. But yeah, the power suits were super fucking cool and the action scenes and shit. My other problem is with uh, Emily Blunt's character is that she warms up really fast for somebody who that moment learns. Like at the beginning, she's an asshole. Yeah, but I th- I think they explain it because she went through the same thing. She even mentions that there was a man that sh- was her guide, mm-hmm. and she watched him die three over three hundred times. Yeah, so she went through this over th- at least over three hundred times that we know of, and that's a lot. That's a lot. And um, I mean, I don't even I if I would have tried to count how many times that they probably showed seventy five to eighty. Mm-hmm. Times where he would have to keep a rest reset, although they they imply that there's a lot more. Yeah, there's some time jumps where it was like it happened for a while, and like we just get the points pretty much where it works or it severely right. is it, close and doesn't work. They imply there's a lot more than that, but you know, she said because she went through the same thing, so she's going to understand that you know, as time goes on, far that believe everything he's saying because she went through the same thing. Yeah, but there's, like, a point, too, where she, like, is injured but not gravely injured, and she's like, I'm tired, I'm sore, I'm hurt, I'd rather just start fresh, and she gets out a gun like she's going to kill herself. She's not going to remember. Like, how is it starting fresh for her? That line bothers me so much, and I don't know why it irritates me so much. I remember the line, too, and I I think it works. You think it works? She just sit right there. She's tired and she hurts. Mm -hmm. She wants to go back and, and not just live this... You know, yeah, basically done. Yeah, I don't know. I I think that it just didn't look like it hurt that bad to me. But I've also never been shot in the shoulder by a DNA gun, so what do I know? But yeah, yeah, I thought about that uh, that exact line too. I like I said, I've watched it four times in the past couple yeah. of days, and <laughs> and then that line does stick in my head, and I I examined it, and it works. Yeah. So and then, but it did make me think about it. Yeah, it, like I can't, I can't help but feel like that one line stands out so much in this movie to me, and it's like it made me think about it. Yeah, it's it's irritating. But. I think her acting is great in it. I mean, she plays yeah. a hard ass. With every now and then, she lets things slip through, mm-hmm. like especially after watching it a couple of times. Like um, every time he walks up to her, and she never, she had never met him before. The first time they meet, every time she's like, she's like "Yes, mm-hmm. can I help you? Do I got something on my face?" And then when they hesitate, you could see her like look and say, "Hmm, something else." Because you could see her, oh, there's something more going on here, or she could, or there's like a glint of recognition. And I think they don't explain it, but there are. Well, there's also like moments. If you pay close attention, sometimes when he comes up to her, she's wearing a different outfit. So I think that kind of implies that she, her days go a little bit differently every time, probably because of, like, having had the magic time travel powers. Or he comes up at different times because you can't do everything exactly the same. Yeah, I guess that's true. You know. 
Because, like, sometimes she's just wearing a white T-shirt, and sometimes she's in, like, full battle armor. Right. So it's, yeah, it's it's interesting that... I, I feel like they thought about this movie so well, like... Right, and then, like you said, there's, there's some things that they don't didn't explain, but if you go back and watch it five or six times, you see the, the attention to detail. That's why it's such a good movie. Yeah. This mo- so, it's so deep. This movie, I had my own edge of tomorrow experience with this movie because i got it from Redbox the first time i watched it and i watched it in an ex-girlfriend's house on her dvd player she wasn't home i was watching her house for her family and the dvd player didn't have a remote so i would put it in and it would just play and then i fell asleep the first time i watched it so since there's no remote i can't fast forward it so i just watched it over again and then that week i think i ended up like keeping that movie for a whole week because I just kept watching it over and over because there wasn't a remote, so I couldn't skip to scenes that I liked. So I literally just watched this movie like five times in a week, and it's so fucking good still. It, it, it went from the movies to, to video like without a blip. I mean, I don't remember. I think I remember seeing one preview on it and then not hearing anything about it. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I sat down and watched because I like sci-fi. I'm always going to watch a sci-fi movie at least once. And I'm like, wow, this is really good. And I, like I said, I don't like Tom Cruise. And I, I'm like, Ugh. Yeah. I think I saw Oblivion first. I'm going, that's pretty freaking good. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't love that movie. I didn't say I loved it, but I thought it was, I mean, I like sci-fi. And I liked the world they created. And there was some stuff that was, yeah, a little thin. But mm. well, for the most part, I enjoyed it. And I liked the, the twist, you know, that uh, just, just the twist of it and stuff. I liked that part of it. But. That made me like, okay, well, let me try this. He was pretty good in that. Let me go check these other ones. Mm-hmm. And this one in particular just was amazing for me. This is like a way better version of that for sure. So just interestingly enough, about a month ago, I was just, I, you know, scrolling. And I come across Tom Cruise's best or Tom Cruise movies ranked from worst to best. Or his performances, but worst to best. And it's Tomorrow came out in three on that list. It's a fucking good movie. What was number one, Mission Impossible? No, uh, I think number one was Top Gun. Okay. And I think number two was the one he did with uh, Dustin Hoffman, Rain Man. Oh, okay. Yeah. And and I think one of the Mission Impossibles might have been four or five. Yeah. And I'm sure that the movie he did with uh, Stanley Kubrick was pretty high on that list, too. The one about the sex cult. Yeah, I forget. uh, Eyes Wide Shut. Yeah. I I forget exactly where that's at, Mm -hmm. but where that was on the list. I, I I was like reading and going quick. I was more interested in top ten. Yeah. So what they had to say, but I was looking for it to tomorrow. See what they had to say if they would, because me and you have talked about this. You know, we talked about this a year ago. How an under it's the most underrated science fiction movie of the last ten years, and uh, I just wanted to see if other people agreed with us. And yeah, they did. Yeah, it's a fucking good movie, and like. The marketing of it is where it fell flat because they made a giant poster. It said live, die, repeat on it. But the movie was called Edge of Tomorrow. So everyone thought it was called Live, Die, Repeat. And like this is just one of those movies where it ended up with two different titles, which led to so much confusion. There was another movie like that called Zack and Miri Make a Porno. A lot of companies refused to write the word porno on their, like, movie theater. So they just called it Zack and Miri, and apparently that generated a lot of confusion as to what the movie was, and people ended up seeing it not knowing it was about porn and things like that. So, yeah, that's, uh, this is, it's like suicide for a movie to have multiple 
titles, which is where this movie fell flat. But that's the only place this movie fell flat. I fucking love this movie. Um, Pretty happy with it. The scene where he like gets fed up and he goes and sits at the bar and takes drinks a beer and shit. Like I, f- I love that scene, but I feel like that's where the movie kind of slows down is like he kind of is just resigning to the fact that this is too hard to save everybody and stuff. Well, he's tired of losing her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it's definitely fucking with him. And then that old dude calls him a coward who's wearing the like SS hat or some shit. Like he was wearing a, a red beret. I guess that makes him a red beret person, isn't it? I don't know. Do you, what do you know about the red beret? Is that a thing? I don't know. We don't have to talk about it's it. It's a different thing in different in different militaries. Okay. It was uh, in the army. It used to matter what berets you wore. I think red berets were like uh, uh, those who jumped um, airborne. Okay. If I remember correctly, if you got, if you're army guy and you're listening to this, I was Navy for 24 years and I did a lot of Marine Corps time, but I, I, I only partially know the army stuff. I know it. It used to matter. I think the Black Berets were Rangers. The Green Berets, of course, were Green Berets, the, mm-hmm. the Super Special Forces, even though the Rangers are also Special Forces. And I think the Airborne wore the Red Beret, if mm-hmm. I remember correctly. And that's in America. I would imagine, I think that the the British had a similar thing. They're jumpers, they're Airborne. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean by Airborne, right? Yeah, jumping out of planes yeah, and yeah. shit. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, so that guy calls him a coward and shit, and then the invasion happens and he dies, and it's just like, fuck, I really do have to try and save the world. So I think that scene was... This movie's not Oscar-worthy. Don't get me no, wrong. I think, but... it, I think it was a good a slow point, and unless you get your breath because of all the jumping, just the same thing happened in... You know, they did... I think they did it... I thought I was thinking about it, so I was in the shower thinking about it, how they would flash all this timeline and then something different would happen and then they would flash more timeline like you see him go over and over and over and then he would move a little bit forward i think this was him like giving up and they did the same thing in in uh a couple of times in uh groundhog day yeah they used the same type of idea and then they slowed it down for a minute did you catch your breath a little bit more character development a little bit more story arc i mean you start to see him and when he's called a coward he's like well i just been killed 10 you know a three or four hundred times mm-hmm. that's not who i am you know but he, yeah and he goes back and says okay i gotta put my head in this yeah there's a new andy sandberg movie i can't remember what it's called so i probably shouldn't bring it up it's, uh but it's like groundhog's day except he's like been doing it for so long he's at like millions of days and he's just given up on everything he just hangs out and drinks all day and he doesn't do anything and that movie was also surprisingly good so for a guy who doesn't like time travel movies i seem to like a lot of time travel movies so i probably should stop saying i don't like time travel you're, movies. you're right though there's a lot of holes in these movies yeah like the movie looper is so fucking good until the last five minutes when he kills himself when he's a kid so the whole movie shouldn't have happened and shit like that like that's what bothers me is i get so invested in these stories and then they just take a giant shit all over their own plot and that's ugh. oh but, yeah and of course the avengers the end game is stuff the the snapping fingers the guys coming back in five years they still haven't clearly defined that yeah the whole five years some pop right back some are older it just they don't make it work right they're they're gonna explain that in the new spider-man movie with dr strange it's gonna be like battle of infinite earths or what no that's dc but okay, it's geez. yeah it's loose it's it doesn't really work they're saying that toby Maguire and uh 
the other Spider-Man are all going to be in it, and it's going to be like Spider-Verse, but also Doctor Strange. And well, that's interesting. Yeah, because uh, Nebula like killed the younger version of herself, so obviously there's like multiple timelines going now and shit. So it it really just like that. And, and Thanos is still technically out there mm-hmm. in another timeline. So yeah, he's he's not going anywhere. Dormammu's still around and shit. Yeah, it's gonna be crazy. Gonna be crazy. So that's Marvel movies. Um, hmm. So, okay, D-Day happened in France, right? That was a whole thing. So this was like kind of an homage to D-Day yes. in that they get executed pretty much right out the gate. The Louvre. So is the Louvre surrounded by water like that, or did the aliens do that? You've been to the Louvre, right? I have not been to Paris. Oh, really? Okay. But there are rivers that go right through the Rhone of the Rhine, the Rhine goes go right through uh, Paris, mm-hmm. and I think the Louvre is right off, right, right near it. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's that uh, covered with water. I don't know where the waters came from, but it's pretty close, I think. Yeah, it's like in this movie, it's flooded. So, like, it's the only other time I've ever seen the Louvre was in uh, the Da Vinci Code. So, I mean, I'm definitely not. <laughs> that was yeah. That was the most recent update. It was uh, reading the Da Vinci Code and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just about how it was built and and stuff like that. Yeah, so I mean, I don't know anything about France. I've never left the Eastern Seaboard except for once or twice. So I'm pretty much. We were in the Black Forest, so we were about forty miles away from France, and we were going to at least cross over to eat a French meal up in the in the in the Black Forest area, mm-hmm. and we ended up not doing it. Yeah, but we were stationed. We were stationed in in uh, Italy, and we took some vacations in Germany and such and we were close to France mm-hmm. 40 miles away and we didn't do it. Yeah. We got we we got too busy doing other things and they're like, you know what? Yeah, we're going to end up driving back at 2 o'clock in the morning so let's not do that. Yeah. But we were close. Do you regret it? I don't know. I'm okay. I You're I mean, okay. you know, if hopefully someday I meet the right person that wants to travel with me and I'll I'll I'll, I'll hit France. Mm-hmm. But I could just, I would be just as happy going back to Italy again or Germany because they were wonderful. Yeah. Right on. Well, this seems like a good place to take a very brief break so that we can uh, talk about some ads and maybe some uh, shout outs and stuff. I forgot I used to do that. So now I'm just like, oh shit, I probably ought to do that. It's been a long time. That last month was a long month. <laughs> so uh, we're going to do that real quick and we might come back with a very special segment that John has never done before. Oh, great. Another game. Another game. Today's episode is presented by State Bags. State Bags makes beautiful, well-made, inclusively cool products while using the power of business to give back to shift the narrative around social injustice. For every State Bag purchased, State hand delivers a backpack packed with the essential tools for success to an American child in need. But their commitment goes beyond simply a material donation. State Bags has your back. And part of that commitment is making the difference in local kids' lives. To get you ready for your commute or wherever you're traveling next, State is offering my listeners 15% off their next purchase at statebags.com using the code POD. That's 15% off your next purchase using the code POD, P-O-D, at statebags.com. State Bags, they have your back. 
Looking for a new podcast? Check out the Infectious Groove podcast. My name is Russ, and I host the show along with Michelle and Kyle. Every Monday, the three of us bring you music news and tell you our jammy jams, so you'll always have new music to check out. The Infectious Groove podcast discusses music from nearly every decade and genre while openly displaying our passion for music you need to hear. On top of that, we have a thought-provoking main topic of discussion every week to get you thinking, discussing, and sharing music. We also include interviews with the music stars of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and all major podcast platforms. Subscribe and listen to the Infectious Groove podcast on your favorite podcast platform today. Hey, everybody. It's weird to be back doing these ad spots. I totally forgot I used to do these, and uh, I'm back to being canonical, so... I hope you guys liked the Halloween episodes. They were pretty good, I thought. Got a lot of good feedback, so I hope you enjoyed those. Uh, I just have a couple shout-outs to give real quick. First, I want to give a shout-out to the 4 Nerds by Nerds podcast because they are featuring me in an episode, I think it even might come out the same day that this episode does, where we sit and we do a commentary on Friday the 13th Part Three. So if you want to hear that, check out my friend's podcast, The Four Nerds by Nerds. It's a, it's a good time. It's all things nerdy, so I'm sure that most of the fans of this show will also like that show. I also want to give a couple of shout-outs. Uh, one to Barbara DeCesar. Hello. I can't wait to have you on the show. I know you've been listening, and I appreciate you. And your son, Jack. I just want to say thank you to both of you, and I'm sure that, Jack, you will also be on an episode real soon. I'm pretty sure both of you will. So if anyone wants to be on an episode, hit me up. It's a good time. So, yeah, I just wanted to say all that good stuff. Um, Thank you to John for doing this with me. I hope you guys are enjoying this episode. It's all about Tom Cruise dying over and 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 over. Um, okay, so audience, anyone who doesn't know, my mom used to go to discount grocery stores where they would have like items that are kind of no longer going to be around. So my mom would buy a case of these drinks that looked crazy and would bring them home and say, okay, if you like them, I'll go and buy the rest of them. But if you don't like them, we don't throw things away in this house. So you still have to drink them. So, uh, we would get these drinks and I would advertise them to my friends as, Hey, would you like to try a terrible drink? In in the early days of of me having a family and my daughters, which you've met both of, when they were very little. Um, I was the evening parent because my wife, as soon as I got off of work, off of Camp Pendleton, I came home and Karen, we slapped hands and she went to work. So I was the evening parent. I took care of dinner and I tucked them in. I read stories. We sang songs, all that stuff. But I was really into making dinner and I would focus on what I'm doing because that's what I do. I, I obsess and I focus on what I'm doing. And the kids would be taking care of themselves. Usually they'd be in the kitchen. What Riley would do is, when I was focused doing what I'm doing, she'd go into the pantry and she'd peel all the labels off all the cans. <laughs> so I had 35, 40 cans. I had, we had no idea what was in them. So every now and then, like, what's for dinner? I'm like, I don't know. It's a mystery. Some, I'd say mystery can surprise. So we'd <laughs> pop something open and it'd like be, you know, cream of mushroom, cream, um, uh, pureed pumpkin. I'm like, hmm. Pumpkin bisque, yeah. you know, so I would make something out of it. But, yeah, we had a similar thing. That's fun. Yeah. So, I mean, I would advertise to my friends, like, you want to try a terrible drink? And they'd be like, uh, I guess. And so that's how this segment is born is a uh, throwback to that. So, John, why don't you 
describe to me what is in this bag. If I can find the opening of the bag, there we go. Wah. So go ahead and describe that can to me. <laughs> oh, I can already tell you I'm going to like this. It says Irish Moss or Big Bamboo. Big Bamboo is the company. It's, the, it's Irish Moss and it's called a Jamaican peanut drink. <laughs> we had one of these in the early days of this show where it was a vanilla drink, but I just saw they have peanut drink and i'm like what the fuck is peanut drink? oh i know i'm gonna like this is it, is it alcoholic <laughs> no it is not alcoholic but um so yeah i think it says shake softly shake on it gently before opening. <laughs> shake gently <laughs> what are the ingredients water sugar milk peanut butter corn syrup solids does it really say solids partridge yeah Corn syrup solids, partially partially hydrogenated coconut oil. So, yeah. And then it gets into chemical stuff. What the fuck are solids? <laughs> I've never yeah. seen that on a label. All righty. Pop it open. Are we both trying it? We're going to both try it, yeah. All right. So let's see what this consistency is like. Oh, milky. Yeah. Very milky. In Japan, they used to have vending machines. They have vending machines all over Japan and in places you would never imagine. You could be hiking for eight miles up into a mountain, and then you come around the corner, and there's a vending machine there with hot coffee or cold beverages. That's and crazy. Often, beverages look like this. Just They, ha- they had this thick. stuff called George's, George's Coffee. Mm-hmm. Crack. Really? Like almost nothing I've ever tasted before. I mean, I think there's actually nicotine in it. Oh, Jesus, a nicotine drink? Yes. I think there's <laughs> nicotine and, of course, caffeine. But, mm. yeah, I mean, guys were addicted to them like crack. What's it smell like? Peanut butter. It smells like peanut butter? Hell, yeah, this might actually be good. You know, I actually have peanut butter liqueur now. Ooh. And then you could spike this with it and it would Let's try it. probably be good. Let's go. I like it. It's not what I was expecting, but it's pretty good. How it's you... exactly what I thought it was going to be. Yeah, it's it's not it's not peanut butter flavored. It's definitely peanut flavored. I agree with that. You're the one who taught me how to properly taste test with like your mouth open a little bit. Mouth open a little bit, yeah. It smells. I learned how to taste wine in Italy when we were stationed in Italy, and then I've used that with everything, and it actually works. Yeah. I never could drink whiskeys, particularly Scots and stuff, before that, and then I bought a small pack of of uh, Glenlivet, and it was a ten year, a fifteen year, and an eighteen year, and I did. I called it going up and down the river. I'd start with the cheap, then go to the middle, and then go to the expensive, and back to the cheap, and down to the bottom. And I'd be able to taste the differences. And then that's where I learned where the sugars were and, mm-hmm. and the aftertastes and all that stuff, and what the difference between a 10-year and an 18-year Scotch was. And then I've used that with a lot of things. But I did the same thing with wine. Interesting. When you contrast it against something else, and you go back and forth, and you see what's good and what's not good. And, you know, mm-hmm. you think this whiskey is really good, and then you open up, you drink a really good one, like or a tequila or a rum, you know, because like for the un for the person that doesn't do a lot of tasting, you pick up any rum and it tastes like rum. Yeah. Any tequila it tastes like tequila, until you have an educated palate, and that's how you educate your palate by trying a couple of different things. 
And once you realize you you drink that 18 year and you go back to that 10 year and it tastes like swell. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So like you said that you have to have your mouth open a little bit when you're tasting it and you have to definitely smell it before and after. Right. And then what else? Like smack your lips or whatever. I think. No, you're supposed to look at the legs, but that doesn't work with this so much. But just yeah, keep your mouth open a little bit. And breathe in. Try breathing through your nose or near in your mouth. And you're supposed to get the taste better. Interesting. Yeah, it definitely. It's a creamy peanut drink. Interesting. From Jamaica, product of Jamaica. I think it's very tasty. Yeah, it's not bad. So uh, we do either terrible or not terrible. And I'm gonna venture to say that this is not terrible. Not terrible. Not terrible at all. Um, so what else can we say about this movie? Is there just overall, I think we both have unanimously agreed that we love this movie. Oh, the aliens. Let's talk about the aliens a little bit. They're crazy looking, especially when they're like running over water and shit. Have you ever seen any aliens like this in movies or is this like totally unique? No, there's a, what would be the word indescript? Would that be the right word? Like you you never really get your eyes Except for like at the end, you get to see the like the blue, the blue, uh, the alpha. Mm-hmm. You get to see his maw and his mouth and and stuff. Kind of a good look at it, but most of the time, they're moving so fast and they're so flickery that you don't really get to see what their anatomy really looks like. Um, I think it, so. It, it's very indescript, and I, I think that uh, it, it's kind of cool. So you're not focusing on that so much. You know, they're, they're the catalyst. The whole movie's about the people. They're mm-hmm. just the catalyst. Like The Walking Dead, they don't go into all the zombies that much. They're just the catalyst. They're the disaster yeah. for your disaster movie. It's all about the people. And they do the same thing with here. They don't want to spend too much time on it. Um, I wish it was a little less CGI or they sort it down so you can get get a better look because I like that. Mm-hmm. They do that in a lot of movies, especially the, the – um, was it Skyfall? Is that the – that's a James Bond movie. I'm trying to think. What's the sky something where all these aliens are just coming out of the sky? I don't know. Just There's a bunch of movies like that where you're not getting a not real getting good, good look. Yeah. But at the same time, that can kill a movie, too. Yeah, when true. you get a good look at a CGI monster. And it's but like it's what terrible. I want to see. I mean, that's, yeah. you know. Like if you watch Mega Shark or shit like that, the, the CGI monsters are <laughs> the most ridiculous shit you've they, ever they, seen. They definitely did it on purpose, I think, to keep it in the script, keep it um, so that you're focused on what we're going through and not so much what the aliens look like and stuff. Yeah. I think they did a pretty good job. They move super, super fast. Yeah. They almost seem like just unbeatable. Yeah, especially since they can travel through time and shit and they can shoot these. It's like they shoot two bullets at the same time that spin around each other and their trail kind of looks like DNA, which is why I'm calling them DNA shots or whatever. But yeah, so. To me, it looked more like energy. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. It's just like an energy. And then they, they have this energy core. They really don't go. Uh, all they do is basically mention that the. Basically, the three types of creatures. The mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if they call the, the the smaller ones the one with the red energy, the betas. Yeah. But they definitely call the blue ones alphas, and then they call the omega, which is the big bet, like the brain, the hive mind. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's cool, but yeah, I definitely would like more history. I, I, and then what they said was is that um, 
they speculate that per, perhaps there are a bunch of asteroids going around with these things on them and whenever the most intelligent species of that planet fights back that's when they decimate everything i guess i don't know yeah and they never really go into the aliens motivation like they speculate a little bit that it's all about oxygen or water or whatever but like tom cruise says it doesn't really matter they're here and they're fighting but don't you love how like video games and movies have come up with this mechanic you kill the big one all the other ones just die (laughs) like there have been entire battles in history that have been fought after wars were done just because the bad guys were still around or whatever. So it's, I don't know, it's a weird mechanic. Well, that's that, a Starship Troopers thing, for yeah. sure. There's a couple of other movies that are like that, huh? Anything that has the hive mind or... Mm-hmm. Almost yeah. every video game. Yeah, it's it's good shit, though. Um, the only oh, And Ender's Game. Ender's Game. I don't think I've seen that one. I know you want me to read the book really bad, but I've never you seen You haven't seen the it. movie? Mm-mm. Oh, it's a fantastic movie. Yeah. It falls into that weird category with like Hunger Games and Maze Runner for me that it's like the the YA epic battle movies that like they start off pretty small and then all of a sudden by the end it's like huge battles and there's nothing wrong with that. I like movies like that, but I think Ender's Game just kind of fell through the cracks with me as far as like catching all of those especially there's a couple of years where it was like those were the only movies that were huge you know oh i, I think it's it, it's one of the, my favorite books of all time mm-hmm. uh reading it and it's got i've read both series that go along with it but uh i also thought it was i mean i don't think the movie was amazing but they actually um the military for years was uh was it was on the uh admirals or this the CNO, which would be the chief of naval operations, the C- the most senior officer in the navy, it was on his reading list because of the leadership. Yeah, Starship Troopers was also on it. I mean, and of course, historic you know books about Patton and stuff were on there too. But these were also on there because they show how leadership works and and uh, how you how how good leaders are sometimes naturally, but some some of them are built. Mm-hmm. And how they become leaders and stuff, and that's that's more of what uh, Ender's Game is more of a psychological book and movie. Yeah, you know it, there are battles, but it's not the, what you think it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it, it's basically it's it's that it's kind of like a Full Metal Jacket thing where half the movie is boot camp. I gotcha. Okay, half the movie is boot camp, and then he goes, and then there's the second half is they're supposed to be in simulations, but you find out at the end. That maybe that's not what's ha- what it was actually happening, but they didn't tell him that, so the pressure wouldn't be on these kids. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool though. It's it's definitely worth. Whether the book is way better. You yeah. should, if you're listening to audiobooks, listen to that one. I'll put it on my list. It's It's very good. Right on. Uh, is there anything else about this movie you want to talk about? I made sure to talk about horny combat yoga. <laughs> um, that's probably my favorite thing is writing the words horny combat yoga down. Um. Yeah, I, I didn't have a big problem with that. Um, I think Bill Paxton plays a, a, a good stereotypical mm-hmm. crusty old sergeant. I think he does good with that. Um, no, I, I love the way they did it. I really like the way, you know, like we were talking before, like uh, they would have like a minute of of repeat, 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 and then the plot would go on a little bit further and then repeat, 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 repeat. And it's just, they did it very, very well. 
Uh, I thought Tom Cruise was brilliant in it. You know, uh, like when he kept on dying, he was in he was in the uh, uh, the simulation combat, and he kept on getting wounded and hurt. And mm-hmm. first he's like, "No, I'm fine, I'm cool, I'm cool." And then uh, like at this, she's coming up and she's gonna kill him so they can reset again. And he's like, "Oh, come on!" Yeah. <laughs> Just very funny. Yeah, man, this is a good movie. So, uh, name of the game: Do we keep the disc or do we dump it? I don't think anyone would debate that we're gonna keep this. Disc. Oh, I think it's a very good movie. Right on. Keep it. Well, I want to say thank you to the Jazz June for the use of the song Viva La Speed Metal off of the album The Medicine. It's some great rock and roll music. If you're interested in such things, you should definitely uh, try and support them on iTunes or wherever because they deserve it. I also want to say thank you to the Fat Rat for the use of the song Unity. That's the song that we use to end every episode and bring us in and out of the ad spots. You can find that music on YouTube. Uh, if you want to email me, you can email me discdumppod at gmail.com. That's D-I-S-C-D-U-M-P-P-O-D at gmail.com. Don't forget that little PP in there. It's important. On Twitter, I'm at the discdump. On Instagram, discdumppodcast. Again, there's a PP. On Facebook, there's the Discdump Podcast page, but the Discdump Podcast fans group is really what it's all about. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. John, what are we going to recommend to the audience? Well, I guess Ender's Game. If you haven't, I mean, if you haven't, uh, I, I say read the whole series. I, I even have them in combat uh, in comic book format. Oh, really? Cool. I have some of them in comic book format, which I, I like a lot. Book's always better. Yeah, that's how I feel. The comics too. are good, and the movie's pretty good too. The movie does a p- pretty close. Mm-hmm. Pretty close. They don't get everything right in the in their combat simulation, and they 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 truncated it a little bit, you mm-hmm. know. But still, pretty good. Right on. Well, thank you for doing this with me, John. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me, Miles. No problem. Alrighty, audience. Until next week. <laughs>